And I want to draw your attention now back to our text in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And I want us to look again, please, specifically at verse number 3. Paul says to Timothy, You therefore endure hardness or hardship or suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, understand and remember with us, let's, let's make sure we, we, we set our text in its context. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy has been left in charge of one of the church plants that Paul started in the city of Ephesus. Paul himself, this is the time of this writing is approximately 65 AD, Paul is in prison in Rome. Previous imprisonments, Paul has been released, but not this time. And now he writes to Timothy, his son in the faith. This aged warrior of the gospel is facing imminent execution at the hand of Rome. And he knows it. In fact, in chapter number 4 and verse number 6, he says to Timothy, I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. These are Paul's last recorded words in Scripture. And they are spoken with a combination of apostolic authority and urgency together with a tenderness that you sense throughout this letter of a spiritual father to his beloved son. You see, as it was in the days of the Apostle Paul, so it is in our generation. God is on mission to call out for himself a people from every tribe and tongue and nation and people group who will gladly worship him in spirit and truth to the praise of his glorious grace for all eternity. And as we gather in, 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 in peace and, and comfort this morning, we must recognize that outside of these walls, a war is raging for the souls and the hearts of men and women. This is not a physical battle, but a spiritual one. And there are no neutral parties. In fact, there are no neutral parties in this auditorium this morning. You are either for Jesus or you are against him. And the one at the center of this cosmic spiritual battle is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the gospel that we are called to proclaim declares that you must know Jesus, you must embrace Jesus, you must submit to Jesus, or one day you will be judged by Jesus. Every generation of Christ followers advances the mission of God in the trenches of everyday life. The gospel advances and it advances with struggle. The struggle is real. And every faithful Christian in this auditorium this morning has at some time faced the angst of following Jesus amid a culture that rejects him. This gospel of Jesus advances in the face of opposition because the kingdom of Satan is in direct conflict with the kingdom of God. And that's precisely where Timothy is. His fears are threatening to overrun his faith. As he is, as he is vacillating, as in the ministry in Ephesus, he's, he's tempted to be ashamed. He's, he's, he's being tempted and pressured to just go quiet and to throw in the towel, as it were. 
And I would suggest that if we have walked with Jesus for very long, we would acknowledge that at one time or another we have all been Timothy. Timothy here in, in, in this stage of his life and ministry, as Paul is writing to him, Timothy is floundering. He is, he is, he is under great duress and he is tempted to give in to his fears and, and give in to the feelings of shame at identifying with the gospel. It's as though the cost of serving Jesus in this wicked pagan Ephesian culture has gotten too tough. It's too great. It's too much. And so Paul here is writing this loving, explicit letter to this faltering young soldier of Jesus. There's a sense in which this letter, in this letter, Paul is sounding a battle cry. And if you were to read these four short chapters, there, is, there are two major themes that you will, you will quickly see Paul is returning to in each chapter. Timothy, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, number one, you must protect and proclaim the gospel. He speaks of this in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In our text, in chapter 2, in verse 1 and 2. In chapter 3, in verse 14. And again, in the opening verses of chapter 4. Timothy, you must stand your ground. You must protect and proclaim the gospel. Then there's a second theme that Paul references in each chapter. Timothy, not only must you protect and proclaim the gospel, but as you protect the gospel and you proclaim the gospel, Timothy, you must suffer for the gospel. Look what he says in chapter 1 and verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions, of the sufferings of the gospel. Paul says to Timothy, in, in, in our text, in verse number 3, you therefore endure suffering, hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 3 in verse 10. But thou knowest, th- thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Look at verse 11. Persecutions, suffering, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions endured... But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. You see, for us to protect and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ means that we must be prepared for the suffering that accompanies it. I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Do you believe, Christian, do you really believe this morning that the gospel is enough? Is the gospel Enough. Do, do you believe this morning that the gospel, that the cross is sufficient to meet the need of your heart and soul? To answer the deepest craving of your heart? Do you believe that the gospel of Jesus is worth abandoning your life to? That the approval and pleasure of Jesus are of greater value than the world's approval? Do you believe that God is more satisfying than any of the things that the world might be able to offer to you? Do you believe that Christ is building his church in 2022 and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you really believe those things? The price 
of gospel advance. Notice, please, if you would, in our text, I want to point out in the, this, this text that we've read in verses 1 through 7 and the surrounding, just, just, I want us to walk away from here in, in, in a few more moments with, with, three, with three major big ideas that we carry from this place and that, and that by God's grace, through the inner working of His Holy Spirit, we might contemplate these ideas from the Scriptures throughout this week that comes. Notice number one. The price of gospel advance. For we see this in chapter 2 and verse number 3. Number 1, you are commanded to share in suffering for the advance of the gospel. You therefore endure. That word endure is, is, is an imperative. Timothy, you are floundering. You are tempted to be ashamed. You, you, you are overcome by your fears. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. And so, Timothy, I'm exhorting you, my beloved son, that you must share in the sufferings for the sake of the gospel as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You are commanded to share in suffering for the advance of the gospel. You see, suffering is a guaranteed part of living in a fallen world, isn't it? Is it not? I remember visiting, visiting a, a lady by the name of, of Florence many years ago, one of the members of our, our church, our first church plant at Faith Baptist in Riverside. Um, Jonathan came and asked if I would go and visit his, his cousin. She was sent home from the hospital to die. And I remember walking into that home with Jonathan and, and hearing someone in the back room moaning in agony, walking down that hall and round the corner and into that bedroom. And there on the floor, on a reed mat, laid a, a young woman. Her name was Florence. And she was dying. They'd done everything they could for her at the hospital and there was no more for them to do. And so they released her to her aged mother and she's now at home lying in this condition. And, and, and as I walked in and I, I, I spoke with Florence, the, the amazing thing in the midst of it all, she was cognizant. She was very alert. She carried on a conversation. But she had, her body had withered away until the skin was so, so tightly stretched over her, her skeletal frame that she looked like a living skeleton. And we sat next to her and I held her hand and I remember sharing with her the gospel of Jesus. And I told her, I said, Florence, very soon you're going to enter into eternity. I told her of the gospel, of the love of Jesus, of the eternal life that comes through faith in Christ alone. In a very simple way, Florence professed her faith in Jesus. Two days later, she passed on into eternity. Suffering is a guaranteed part of living in a, in a fallen world. As humans, we all suffer the effects of sin. Our sin or the sin of others. I mean, on a jogging trail in your city just a few days ago, there are people this morning who are feeling the effects of someone else's sin. Is it not true? We live in a depraved, sinful world. Deep emotional and physical suffering is not limited to Christians. 
Death, accidents, hurricanes, cancer, earthquakes, childhood abuse, rape, and terrorism remind us of the effects of sin upon the human race. And though we seek to escape, suffering is inevitable. But this is not that kind of suffering that Paul is commanding Timothy to. When Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I command you to endure hardship. He's saying, I command you to suffer afflictions. Literally, the idea here is, Timothy, you are to, you are to endure the afflictions and suffer whatever trouble comes your way in the carrying out of your duty as a soldier of Jesus Christ. This is a suffering that you willingly identify with. In Mark chapter 10, uh, Jesus turned to his, those who would follow him, his disciples, and he said, if anyone would come after me, let him pick up his cross. This symbol of, of shame, this symbol of death, and choose to follow me to death. Take up your cross and follow me. You see, suffering is a guaranteed part of living in a fallen world. And then we also note here in verse 3 that Paul is assuming that suffering is expected by everyone who serves as a soldier. Endure hardship, Paul says, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Suffering is not optional for soldiers. Look at chapter 3 and verse 2. For all who desire to live godly... First Timothy, for all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, sorry, verse 12, 312, yea, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know what's amazing? What was amazing to me is that people are willing to embrace suffering for much lesser causes than gospel advance. I mean, we celebrate, and, and we should, by the way, I'm all for it. So don't think this is a negative. I'm just, I'm just observing. We as Americans, we are American Christians. We, are, we celebrate when our, our young person, our, our, our young son or, or maybe a daughter, um, when they go into the military, they join the Army, the Air Force, the Marines. We're proud of that. We, we wear the banners. We put the stickers on our car. You do know that when your son signs up for the Marines, he is likely to end up in places like Afghanistan and Iraq where people are actually trying to kill them. You know that, right? Boy, this is a quiet group. You do know that, right? But we applaud that. It's patriotism. And we are patriots. So we are willing for that level of suffering. But have a conversation with some of those same Christian parents about 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 encouraging and helping to facilitate their son or their daughter to go to some far-flung place where people have yet to hear of the gospel. Some Islamic stronghold in northern Africa. And you hear quite a different story, don't you? Why does our Christian calling involve suffering? Well, Paul explains in chapters 3, verse 1 through 5, that, 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 that this Christian calling involves suffering because we live in the difficult last days when people will be lovers of themselves while trying to keep up appearances of godliness. Look what he says in verse number 2. 
He says perilous, dangerous. That word perilous is sometimes connected with the demonized culture uh, where, where, where Jesus is, is, is meeting um, demons and confronting them. Perilous times. Uh, demonically charged times in which the God of this world is aggressively, actively opposing the gospel of Jesus. For men will be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce makers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And we're like, yeah, that's right. That's what those unbelievers out there, that's what they're like. But he's talking about right in the church at Ephesus. Look at verse 5. They have a form of godliness, but deny the life-changing power thereof. Do you see that? Do you see that? See, these, these people that Paul is warning Timothy of, as to the reason that suffering will exist, are not those people out there who just say, hey, I don't believe any of this stuff. No, these are people who are putting up an appearance of holiness, of godliness. They're, they're self-identifying with you. And yet they are not motivated by a passion for Jesus Christ and a passion for the advance of his kingdom. Why does our Christian calling involve suffering? Because we live in difficult last days where people are lovers of themselves while keeping up the appearance of godliness, but also because the majority of religious people reject biblical truth. Isn't that like today? Look at chapter 4, verse 3. Here's what he said. The time is coming when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. Remember these people who are lovers of themselves? They're feeding their own sensuality at the, at the trough of the culture in Ephesus, but identifying themselves with this sect called Christianity. Okay? Now, now what happens in verse in verse number 3, Paul says the time is going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Timothy, you are commanded to share in suffering for the advance of the gospel. But notice number 2, God's omnipotent power enables us to face the suffering required for gospel advance. Go back to our text in chapter 2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, fear of suffering threatens the advance of Christ's mission. How, how do you willingly embrace the probability of suffering for the advance of the gospel? I'm telling you, Christian friend, if you are going to embrace the probability of suffering for gospel advance, it will require a power outside of yourself in fact in chapter 1 in verse number 8 Paul has already exhorted Timothy do not be ashamed of the gospel Timothy perhaps Timothy was afraid of the consequences of standing for Jesus amid the pagan culture of Ephesus and his fears were leading him to feelings of shame as he contemplated publicly identifying with the gospel and with Paul, who, by the way, is in prison for the gospel. Do you know, do you know when, 
when we, when we struggle with feelings of shame about being Christian, about what we believe, and every one of us have felt this. You get in the right situation with a lot of strangers around or in the right, and, 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 and you got that inner struggle going on, right? You see, we are tempted to be ashamed of the gospel because in that moment, we don't really believe that the gospel is enough. We fear death. Or we fear sickness. Or we fear unknown dangers. Someone has said that fear... This was Timothy's problem. He was afraid. Someone has said that fear is the face of an idol in your life. In the moment that you as a Christian are filled with that fear, at that moment, you are loving something more than you love God. God's omnipotent power enables us to face the suffering required for gospel advance. God's power in suffering is the fuel that advances God's mission. He's already said to Timothy and reminded him in chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, that it is through his power that he saved us. Verse 9, 1 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He's abolished death, verse number 10, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You see, God had saved Timothy through the gospel. Paul affirms that in in verses 3 through 5 of chapter 1. I, 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 am, I am remembering with great joy, Paul says, your, your genuine faith that is in you. Listen, friends, do you understand that God, if you're here and you, you know Jesus, God did not save you because he looked at you and saw anything in you that caused him to be attracted to you. He looked at you and saw your, your, your wonderful moral uprightness and said, wow, what a great guy. I really need him to be one of mine. You, you understand that didn't happen. Or he looked at you and said, what a fine, upstanding young lady. Look at, well, look at, look at all that she does and look at how much effort she puts in and, and look, at, look at what an upstanding life she tries to lead. You know, I really need her on my team. So I think I'm going to save her. You'd understand that God never one time in all, in all of eternity ever thought that about you. You do know that, right? Why? Because sin had found its way into every cell of your body. You were hopelessly doomed by sin under the just condemnation of God. And may I remind you that you were living in sin because you desired sin. You wanted sin. You loved sin. Now, you didn't like the consequences of it. You didn't like the embarrassment and the shame if you got caught. But you were a lover of sin. And may I remind you, according to John 8, 44, that Satan was your spiritual father. You're your father of the devil and the lust of your father you want to do. 
You are in bondage, a member of the army of the kingdom of Satan. And then one day, one glorious day, Jesus came and rescued you from darkness and translated you and transported you into the kingdom of the son of his light. From the domain of hell, he made you a child of the kingdom of heaven. And he did it all because of his glorious grace. Which he freely pours upon all who believe in Jesus. Remember that Jesus was raised from the dead. This is the power of the gospel. In fact, he says that in verse number 8 of chapter 2. Remember that Jesus Christ at the seed of David was raised according to my gospel. And it is through his power that he saved us. And it is through his power that he called us to a holy calling. We read that in in chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. You see, when when Jesus broke into your story, into your life, when he shattered your misconceptions and your falsehoods, the things that you believed, and he revealed himself to you, he called us from something for something. He called us from sin and set us apart to himself for holiness. And in that moment, you were powerfully set free from bondage to sin and service to Satan to serve Christ on his mission, to live for his purpose and to bring him glory by joining him in his mission of proclaiming and protecting the gospel. Timothy, don't forget that. This engagement happens within the context of your community, your home, your place of work. This This happens in the context of your actual next door neighbor who lives on your street. And it is through his power, not only are we saved, called to a holy calling, but we embrace the cost of discipleship. That's what he's referencing in chapter 2 and verse number 1. Be strong in the grace. Paul is calling Timothy to identify with the gospel the very thing that has led to Paul's conviction by Rome. Paul is suffering for one reason. That reason is that he embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he is calling Timothy to do the same. You know something the last time I checked? The death rate worldwide was 100%. Can you believe that? God help us die well. I said there were three thoughts. Let me rush to the final one. You're commanded to share in suffering for the advance of the gospel. Number two, God's omnipotent power enables you to face the suffering required for gospel advance. And number three, gospel advance is something worth suffering for. Look at just a couple of verses. Let me wrap up here. Verse verse number 12 of chapter 1. 
For which cause I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and persuaded he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. Hold fast, Timothy, the form of sound words. Follow the apostles' doctrine. It is worth suffering for, Timothy. Verse 13, hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which is in Jesus Christ. Embrace the gospel, Timothy. Embrace it for yourself. Follow the pattern of sound words. God saved us in verse 9. Grace came to us in Jesus Christ in verse 10. And the Holy Spirit now indwells us, verse 14. Timothy had received all of these wonderful, glorious gospel truths from the Apostle Paul. Now, in chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, The things that you have heard from me, the things you have received, commit them to faithful men. Gospel advance is something we're suffering for. Follow the Apostles' doctrine. Receive it. Number two, guard the Apostles' doctrine. Love it. Look at verse 14 of chapter 1. That good thing, the gospel, which was committed unto thee, keep... Guard by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, Timothy, guard the gospel. Be sober-minded. Get serious down in Ephesus because this mission is real. You must be engaged in the, the entrusting of, God, of this glorious doctrine of the gospel to entrust it to faithful men regardless of the opposition that you may face. Gospel advance is something we're suffering for. Follow the apostles' doctrine. Receive it. Guard the apostles' doctrine. Love it. And deposit the apostles' doctrine. Share it. The things that thou hast heard from me, verse 2, of among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Chapter 4 and verse 5, he instructs Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Be a missionary. Share the gospel. Be intentional about the verbal proclamation of the gospel and back up what you say by aggressively living out the gospel. Fulfill your ministry, chapter 4 and verse 5. Beloved, as his children, we have been called for holiness that reflects the character and nature of God. We have been called as gospel witnesses. Regardless of your position, occupation, or family situation, invest gospel doctrine into others. Be a faithful disciple and rub your life off on others. Paul is exhorting Timothy, go make disciples, Timothy. Entrust what you have received, this glorious gospel that has revolutionized and changed your life. Go and invest that gospel into others. Go intentionally and rub your life off on someone else. And the apostolic call here is to share in Christ's sufferings. Listen, friend, the story that you are living is not about you. It's about God's eternal purpose and your part in that purpose. Your satisfaction will never be found in fame or acclaim or achievements. Your satisfaction as a child of God is found when you use your abilities through the power of God to fulfill God's eternal purposes. 
our motivation for proclaiming the gospel and for suffering for it if need be is that there are still people, 380 million of them in Africa who have not yet been reached with this gospel. They have never heard. And I remind you that all of us if Christ does not come first, all of us will die. But how terrible, how tragic it would be to die having never lived for anything that matters. In 1709, Isaac Watts penned these words as the conclusion to a sermon that he had just preached from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. Paul's words, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Here's what Isaac Watts wrote. Listen. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush? To speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They see the triumph from afar by faith's discerning eye. When that illustrious day shall rise and all thy armies shine, in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be thine. Paul is exhorting us this morning. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the gospel of God. Father, may the gospel be the most real thing about each one of us. For those here who are contemplating the claims of Jesus, they are burdened, they are, they are burdened under the weight of their, of their iniquities and sin. They have been trying to present themselves as acceptable before God. And yet, sin has infiltrated every, every cell of their being. If there's someone there like that, dear Jesus, would you just please in your mercy and in your kindness, would you strip away the lies that that person believes and would you, would you grant them the humility to bow before you to receive from you the gracious gift of eternal salvation. 
forgiveness of sin. And an everlasting hope of heaven. And for those of us who've walked with you for a few weeks or months or maybe some of us for many, many years. We're in our own Ephesus. And the cost of being an outspoken gospel witness is rising. Maybe some of my brothers and sisters have been tempted like a Timothy to throw in the towel, to feel shame. Because somehow their faith has grown weak and they no longer believe that the gospel is enough. Would you restore our vision of your glory this morning? Would you increase our faith? Give us eyes to see eternal realities that you may be glorified throughout all eternity through the worship and praise of the nations, people from across the world who have been glorious redeemed by the, by the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world in whose name we pray, amen.